So that series starts next Sunday. Uh, I encourage you, I could encourage you more highly to come and be a part of that series starting next week and then sticking it out through the rest of the series. It will be so helpful and helping you to just get a big picture understanding of what God is up to in the world. So that's starting next Sunday, which means today is our break week. And so I want to start out by asking four questions. And the first question is this. The first question is, how full is your bucket? And and when we say bucket, what I'm talking about is essentially like what you might call like your internal temperature or your spiritual health, your level of happiness or satisfaction or contentment or or peace or joy in life. You know, it's that sense of of peace that you have within yourself knowing that the things that you're engaged in, what you're investing your time, talents, and energy in are things that actually matter or the things that you're supposed to be doing, things that are going to produce some kind of positive outcome and that you engage with it with, with joy and passion. It's, it's your peace with others, your peace with God. It's just that sense of happiness that we have as we go through life, regardless of what our circumstances are around us. So the first question is, how full is your bucket? Because when our, when our bucket starts to empty, we start to have indicators that come up in our life, like dash lights that come up that let us know that our bucket is getting a little bit below full. And if you don't know what your indicators are, your spouse does, and they could tell you. For a lot of us, it's, you just get a little bit irritable or a little bit impatient or things that shouldn't drive you crazy, just drive you mad. You know, you're just a little bit like on edge all the time. And so maybe some of you, you're, you're above Halfway, you're up in this range, and maybe you have some dash lights that are on that you're just starting to see come on, and you're recognizing, you know, I think my bucket's getting a little bit empty. And maybe some of you are down here below halfway, and you have like all of your dash lights on, and they've been on for a while now, and you know that you're just running on fumes and that you're not going to be able to last at this level much longer. So, how full is your bucket? And the next question is, how is your level impacting your life and those around you? What impact is your level having on you and the people around you? So your current level, how is that impacting your quality of life, your ability to enjoy the season of life that you're in right now, to live with intentionality and to be engaged with the people and the opportunities around you? What kind of impact is it having on you? How satisfied are you? How full of passion and joy are you? How much peace do you have? What impact is it having on you? And more importantly, what impact is it having on the people around you? How is your current level affecting the people around you? How is it impacting your, your performance at work and the impact that you could potentially have on your, uh, the people that you work with? What impact is your current level having on your family? The fact that you aren't at your best. What is that costing your kids, your spouse, your ministry areas? What impact is your current level having on you and the people around you? And the third question is whose responsibility is it to keep your bucket full? Whose responsibility is that? You know, we we live in a society where it's kind of normative for us to go at a pretty fast pace and be constantly pouring ourselves out and investing in this and this and responding to all the demands around us constantly. And we pour ourselves out and we pour ourselves out. And it's almost like a mark of like, uh, like, like a badge of honor or something, you know, when you're running on empty all the time. It's like, yeah, I'm empty. I barely have anything left to give to anybody, you know. It's almost like we, we brag about it. Let me just ask you a question. If we, if we took a literal physical bucket and dumped a little bit out every single day 
and never put anything in, what do you think would happen to that bucket? Yeah, right, yeah, okay, we know. It'd be empty, right? It's, it's not rocket science. The bucket's gonna eventually be empty. And so it has to get refilled. And whose responsibility is that? I don't know about you, but I don't have anybody coming and knocking on my door offering to fill my bucket up for me. It's our responsibility. It's your responsibility to fill your bucket and make sure it's full, and it's my responsibility to make sure mine's full. And if you're as lousy at keeping your bucket full as I am, then we have to ask ourselves the fourth question. And the fourth question is, what do we need to do to keep our bucket full? Now, this is a little bit tricky. Because there are lots of things that we do that we think are filling our bucket. Like they're the things that you do in the evening when the kids are in bed. Or the things that you do on the weekend when you're just like, I just need some time to, to decompress and, you know, and just kind of zone out or whatever it is. I just need some time. It's that thing that you do in the evenings and the weekends like scrolling through your social media feed or watching a season of Walking Dead or whatever it is for you. It's that stuff that you do. But, but here's the thing about that stuff is that you wake up the next morning or you get up on Monday morning and your bucket's at the same level, right? Because those things, as, as, as helpful as they are and as, as fine as they are, they don't actually lead to you getting filled up. They're kind of like junk food, you know? It's really good at the time and it's really easy to eat at the time and it makes you feel a little bit full at the time, but down the road, it's, it's not really helpful and you kind of feel a little bit worse off than you did before. So we have to figure out what do we need to fill our bucket. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I'm not, there, there, there are lots of things that will fill your bucket. There are things that you should do and can do to fill your bucket. And I'm not going to act like there's just this one thing that's like a magical silver bullet that if you just do this one thing, your bucket's going to be full and overflowing all the time. But I do think that there's one thing that if you do this one thing, it will have a huge impact on keeping your bucket full. In fact, I think this one thing is critical to keeping your bucket full. That if you neglect this thing, you can do a million other things, but you're going to have a really, really, really hard time staying full. This one thing that has a disproportionate impact on your bucket level, that if you just give a little bit of investment, it's going to return dividends. And the great thing about it is that it's not a mystery. In fact, it's one of like the most obvious things. If you've ever been in the church or around the church or walked past a church, you've heard of this. Okay, so it's nothing new to any of us. And the other thing is it's not hard. It's not hard to do. It's just really, really, really easy to not do. You know, I went to my doctor recently for a physical, and he said, you know what you need to do to stay healthy? It's like, it's not rocket science. You learned it in kindergarten. You eat healthy, you exercise, and you sleep. Is that a surprise to you? No. It's like, yeah, it's not a mystery, and it's not hard to do. It's just really easy to not do. And it's the same with this one thing that I want to talk about this morning, is that it's not a mystery, it's obvious, and it's not that hard to do. It's just really easy to not do it. And the thing that we're going to be talking about this morning is something that even Jesus made time for. Even Jesus made time for this. Now, let me give you some quick theology, and then we're going to move on, okay? When God came into the world in the person of Jesus to, to identify with humanity, he temporarily, voluntarily set aside the exercise of some of his divine attributes, so that he could better identify with humanity because he came in the form of, of like, like, like us. He came in human form. He took on flesh. 
to show us that he is not a God who's come to intimidate us or frighten us or overwhelm us, but he's a God that has come above all things to serve us and to die for us to prove that he is for us. And so in order to identify with us, he set aside for a period of time some of his divine attributes. And so he took on physical form and he had the limitations of physicality. In order to stay healthy, he had to eat, he had to drink water, he had to sleep. And in the same way he had physical limitations, he had spiritual limitations. Jesus had a bucket that he had to keep full. And as we look through Jesus' life, as it's recorded in, in Scripture, there aren't a whole lot of things that we see Jesus doing to keep his bucket full. Like we don't see him exercising or buying self-help books or going on vacations or taking up hobbies or doing counted cross-stitch or any of those things. Not that any of them are bad, but we don't see him doing any of those things. Instead, we see him doing this one thing, this one thing consistently throughout his three-year ministry. There you go, Kelly. <laughs> we'll get that later. One thing consistently throughout his three-year ministry. Now, maybe you don't, uh, maybe you're not into the whole church thing and you don't believe in the whole Bible and you don't believe that Jesus was God or that he rose from the dead and that's just not you and, and you just don't believe any of that. You still have to recognize that Jesus from a leadership perspective, was one of the most significant people that has ever lived, okay? Even if you don't believe it, you still have to recognize that this was, this was a unique life that we've never seen on earth before or ever since. I mean, he, not in 50, not in 30, not in 10, in three years, he started a movement that completely reversed the societal norms of that day and caused the people who became his followers to turn their lives upside down from self-centered centered living to other-centered living. He completely revolutionized the value of children, women, slaves, and the poor in society. And he started a movement that in its infancy was was trying to be snuffed out by the strongest empire at that time, but instead of ending, it continued to grow even more rapidly and has continued to grow over the last 2,000 years and is stronger today than it ever has been, even in the face of continued persecution. That Jesus started a movement unlike any other that has ever existed on the earth before or ever since. And if Jesus wrote a book and entitled it, The One Thing I Did to Keep My Bucket Full, you would read it. Or you would at least go on Amazon and get to like, look inside and see what that one thing was in the table of contents, right? Because you would want to know, what does a leader like that do to keep his bucket full? And that's what we're going to look at today. And I just have to make sure I don't fall down. Okay. So we're going to be taking a look in the book of Luke chapter 5, and the verse is going to be up here on the screen, and we're just going to jump right into it. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and there are crowds of people coming out to hear him and to be healed by him. It says this in verse 15, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. 
So, so here's Jesus, and there are these crowds and crowds of people all coming. They, they've heard that he's been healing people, and they've heard about his teaching, and they're all coming to hear his teaching, and they're all coming to be healed by him. Here's this huge demand for his time, his energy, and his attention. And not only is there this great need right in front of Jesus, but it matters to him. It matters deeply to him. We read in other places in Scripture that when Jesus saw the people that needed to be healed, he had compassion for them. It bothered him. It troubled him deeply. In a quick parenthetical, I just want to say for any of you who feel like God doesn't care about your, your daily struggles and the things that you're going through and that he doesn't see and it doesn't bother him, you are so, so wrong because God sees every single thing that you go through and it matters deeply to him. And so here's Jesus with this great need in front of him. And it bothered him. And not only that, but he had the ability to do something about it. He had the power to change it. He had the power to heal. He could have stayed there all day and all night healing people one after the other, after the other, after the other. So here's this huge demand for his time. Bothered him deeply and he could have changed it. And what does he do? What does he do? Verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and prayed. Jesus often, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So here's this huge demand for his time. All of these people lined up who need his time and his attention. And Jesus said, I need to spend time with my heavenly Father. And he walked away. Now what must that have looked like to the crowds that were around him? What must that have looked like to his disciples? I mean, think about Peter, who was always so impetuous, who always wanted to have the right answer, who always wanted to do more, bigger, better. And Peter's standing there looking at this huge need and seeing Jesus walk away. And he must have been, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out, Jesus. No, no, no. You're not finished. Because there's still people here who need to be healed. And in our agenda for the day, there's nowhere here about you having like a special little spiritual retreat. Because there are people queued up with questions for you. There are some Pharisees who want to trip you up with like some really hard theological questions for you. Like we have stuff to do and we don't have time for you just to scurry off and have like a little spiritual vacation. And Jesus says, shh, 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 shh. This is the most important thing right now. And throughout his ministry, we see Jesus walking away from the crowds to spend time alone with his heavenly Father. And he does it after miracles, and he does it before critical teaching moments with his disciples, and he gets up early in the morning and sometimes stays up all night long, and even in a garden before his crucifixion, Jesus spent time alone with his heavenly Father. Now, if there was ever anybody in the whole history of the entire world who didn't need time alone with God... It was Jesus, right? 
I mean, he would have been so justified to have said, I'm just too tired for that. You know, that's just something I can't do right now. I need to rest. I'm too tired. Would have been totally justified because he, he fell asleep in a fishing boat like in the middle of a hurricane, right? He was tired. It would have been totally justified. And it would have been easy for him to have said, you know, I'm just too busy. I have important things going on because if anybody had something important to do, Right? It was Jesus. And it would have been really easy and really justifiable for him to have said, you know what? I'm too spiritual. You know, I'm spiritual enough that, that I don't need this for this period of time. I mean, like, I'm God, right? Do I really need, like, he could have said that. And it would have been totally justified. But instead, instead, he spent consistent time alone with God, not to impress God and not to wow God and not to show God what amazingly eloquent prayers he could say with really fancy words and not trying to get God on his side and not to try to twist God's arm and make God do what he wanted him to do and not, to, not because he was like a religious person and this is just what religious people do. But he did this consistently throughout his ministry because in order for him to do what he was here to do, in order for him to meet the needs that were pressing in him, around him all day long, in, in order for him to stay focused and to stay encouraged and to stay spiritually refreshed, and in order to complete his mission, he had to spend consistent time alone with his heavenly Father. It was the most important thing to keep himself full and Everything else flowed out of that. Now, I am so confident, I am so confident that regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, no matter if you're, you're new on your walk with God or you've been walking with God for a long time or you are so far away from God that you don't even know where God is or even if there is a God, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, your best and my best is going to be found when we spend consistent time alone with our Heavenly Father. Your best, my best, is gonna be found when we are spending consistent time alone with God. And here's why. Because you and I were created to live in a face-to-face -face relationship with our creator. We were created for that. And anything other than that is unnatural. It's an unnatural state. We were created for that. And it's in that face-to-face, -face, intimate, authentic relationship with God that we were meant to find our value and our identity. That we were supposed to get guidance about what our purpose is and how we're supposed to invest our time, talents, and energies. That's where we were meant to find it. And that's where we're meant to get encouragement and to be spurred on and to be spiritually lifted up again and again and again. That's where we were meant to find our confidence and our hope for the future is in that face-to-face -face relationship with God. And during this period of time where we find ourselves separated from God, that is so critical, so, so critical for us to remain in consistent connection with our heavenly Father. Now, I know that for some of you in here, this just sounds like a, just a bunch of religious, spiritual, you know, hoopla, like, yeah, we're in a church. Of course, you're going to talk about the importance of prayer. Like, 
whoopee, like we didn't see that coming, right? But here's, here's the really, really fascinating thing. Here's the really fascinating thing about this, is that studies, clinical studies, have shown that people who engage in consistent time alone with God have a higher emotional and psychological health. They experience less anxiety, less fear, less stress. And not only that, that people that engage in consistent time alone with God have a higher physical health. They're, they're not at risk for as many things like, like um, heart disease and cardiopulmonary problems and premature death. Like there's a huge correlation between spending consistent time alone with God and people's physical health. And not only that, but this is really fascinating. MRIs show that, that people who spend consistent time alone with God that the part of their brain, part of our brain that is responsible for empathy and sympathy and consideration of others, that that part of their brain actually increases the number of neural connections and reflects more activity than people who don't spend consistent time alone with God. The consistent time alone with God literally changes the functioning and physicality of your brain. And if we didn't know better, we would almost say it's as if we were designed to live in connection with our creator. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that if you would do this, that if you would engage in consistent time alone with God, I'm telling you, this will change your life. And I'm not saying that to oversell it. I'm saying that because I've seen it. And I'm saying that because this room is filled with people who could tell you stories about the consistent time that, alone with God that they spent and how it impacted their lives. They could tell you stories about the, the, the critical encouragement that they got, about the critical turning points that happened in their life that came out of their consistent time alone with God. You could hear story after story after story because I'm telling you, this will revolutionize your life if you did this one thing. And so I dare you, I dare you to take 30 minutes a day for the next month, 30 minutes a day for the next month to give consistent, concentrated time to God. And I dare you to find out what he is willing to do in your life. And it's not even what you would expect it will completely change your life. And I am so confident of that. So here are three practical tips to help you get started. The first one is to find a consistent time and a consistent place. Because we are so used to being distracted all the time and to have our focus shifting from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, it's really hard for us. It's really hard for me to stay concentrated on one thing for a period of time, especially when it's a conversation with someone who's invisible. Like, that's hard. It doesn't take long, and our mind is just like out the window on a million other things. But I'm telling you, if you will pick a consistent time and a consistent place, here's what will happen eventually. Eventually, your mind will learn that at that time when you are in that place, that is your time to spend 
with God. And your mind will learn to concentrate during that time. It's just like, like, like if all you do in your bed is sleep, is sleep, then you learn that when you go to bed, your body knows, okay, it's time to sleep. And you go to sleep. People who have sleep problems is because they try to stay up and do a million things in bed. You have to teach your body that this is the place where we sleep. And it's the same thing with consistent time alone with God. If you teach your body that, and your mind that this is the place that we spend alone with God, that when you go to that place at that time, your mind just kind of automatically knows, okay, I'm in the presence of God now. So find a consistent time, find a consistent place. The next one is read the Bible. Start out by reading a portion of Scripture. Not because like it impresses God and God's like, oh good, he read the Bible today, check, you're doing okay, you know? It's not to impress God, but it's, it's to hear from God through his word before we interact with God. Now, if you didn't know this, there's a spiritual training guide inside of your programs that has daily Bible readings that you can follow along with from, from Monday to Friday. And for the five of you who, who take those with you and use those throughout the week, we will happily continue to do that. that. But here's what we're going to do on top of that. On top of that, we're going to make it available through the FCF app. And if you don't have the FCF app, you can go to wherever you go to get apps, and you can download it for free. And on the FCF app, you'll find a little tab called Grow. And if you go to Grow, there will be a section there called the Spiritual Workout of the Day. Now, if you're not familiar with the term workout of the day, workout of the day is something that's become popular among online fitness groups. And they're like... Tons and tons of online fitness groups out there, and each of them has like their own unique workout of the day. And the idea is that the hundreds of people that are connected to this online fitness group, they all engage in the same workout every day. And it creates this sense of community and, and accountability among these hundreds and hundreds of people. So that when you sit down to do the workout of the day, you know that there are hundreds of other people who are going through the same pain, who are putting off the same priorities, who are pushing off the same demands, we're growing in the same ways and gleaning the same things that you're getting out of it. And that's what, that's what we want to try to reproduce here is, is, is if you don't already have a Bible reading plan, that we have one that you can access wherever you are at any time and know that there are hundreds of people around Frederick who are part of the body of Christ who are together reading the same passage and growing in the same ways and pushing off the same demands and priorities to spend that concentrated consistent time alone with God. And there's even a section where you can leave comments. You know, you can encourage people or talk about the things that you got out of it and what you learned from it and how it's impacting you just as a place for us to continue that sense of community and accountability. And for those of you who the first thing that you do in the morning is jump in the car to drive down the road to work, you can, it, it, the, the app, the spiritual workout of the day, it will link you to Bible Gateway so that you can listen to this scripture passage while you're driving in the car. So you can just hit the button, let it do the audio, and you can listen to it to start out your consistent time alone with God for the day. So download that, use that. Our goal is to make it really, really easy for you. So consistent time and place, start out with reading, and then just talk to God. Just talk to God. And this isn't like the time where you pull like that fancy prayer out of your back pocket that you keep for special occasions when somebody asks you to pray out loud with all like the really long flowery words that's really impressive to everybody. And it's not the time to go down like the list of, and please bless Susie, and please bless Billy, and please bless mom, you know, and, and all the blessings that you want to bless for everybody. Because here's the thing. 
God already knows what you need before you ask. And your heavenly father just wants to spend authentic time and communication with you. He already knows where you are. He already knows what you've done. He already knows the stuff that we ignore ourselves is down the deep bottoms of our heart. You know, he knows it all. And so it's that opportunity just to be completely authentic with your heavenly father who loves you so much and has an amazing plan for your life. And I'm telling you, if you will do this, if you will make this a habit, it will so impact your life that you will look back on the consistent time that you've spent alone with God and you'll see that, wow, man, the most critical encouragement that I got came from that time. Man, some of the most important turning points in my life came out of that time with God. Some of the most important insights that I've gotten into the character of God have come through that time. And I know that. I know that because I can look back over my life and I can identify that some of the most critical points in my life came out of consistent time alone with God. And I'm not saying that I'm always good at this and I'm not saying that this practice doesn't fall by the wayside in my life because it does. I struggle with this just as much as anybody else. But I know that, that when I'm hitting on all cylinders and I'm doing this well, that it impacts my life so much. So let me share that with you real quick and then we'll wrap it all up. 10 years ago, when I became a follower of Christ, I was commuting from Frederick down to Alexandria. And my consistent time alone with God was spent 30 minutes a day driving through Great Falls and then down the GW Parkway. And that was my consistent time alone with God. Same route, same time, every day. And it was during that time that, that I came to the realization that I had been setting conditions on what God wanted me to do with my future. And it was during that time that I realized I need to take my conditions off and stop saying, God, if you will do this, then I will. And if you do this, and then I will. And just take off all of my conditions. And I can point to the place on the road where I came to that realization. And it turned my life around. And after a series of events, I experienced God's nudge to ministry. And it was during that time alone with God on the same route that I found the certainty and assurance that, that God wanted me to prepare the, for something that, that he was going to do in my life in the future. And I wasn't sure what and I wasn't sure where. I just knew that, okay, now's the time to start preparing for, for whatever God is going to do in my life next. And I can point to the place on the road where I made that decision. And it was during that time that, that I also found this frustration with where I was working. And I was ready to go into ministry and I was ready to do something. I was ready to walk away from my old life and where I was working and do something new and exciting. But it was in that time alone with God. And I can point to the place where I got the sense, this, this nudge from God to stay exactly where I was and to work really, 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 really hard there. And so I did. And it was critical because what happened next was we, my family, we had to suddenly and unexpectedly move to California for a year. And because I'd continued on in that job and worked really, really, really hard, they offered for me to work from home for a year in California, which wouldn't have happened if I hadn't stayed on and continued working there. So it sustained me during a year in California. And when we got there, 
My life changed. I had to find new routines and a new time and a new place to spend alone with God. And I was a stay-at-home dad, and I was working 30 hours a week, and I was a part-time student. So if you feel busy and it's hard to squeeze this kind of time into your life, I get it, okay? And so my time alone with God was spent walking a mile around our community, the same route every day, pushing a stroller and walking three dogs. And that was my consistent time alone with God. And I tell you what, I look back on that time and cherish it. I cherish it because it was during that time that I, that I grew in my sense of what it meant to have a real, personal, authentic relationship with God and to learn that, that, that true worship with God can happen in the most mundane, day-to-day -day kind of experiences. And I never would have gotten that if not for that time alone with God. And it was during that consistent time alone with God that I got the certainty from God that he wanted me to accept the offer to come on staff at FCF Church. And I did. And I can point to the place where I was walking when I had that certainty and that assurance from God. And I came back here. And I came back here and my schedule changed again and I had to find new time and a new place to spend consistent time alone with God. And every day I would go up and walk along a creek in the mountains behind the church and spend 30 minutes just in consistent, concentrated time with God every single day. And it was during that time that I grew in my insight and my understanding of the pure goodness of the character of God. And it completely changed my, my entire relationship with him. And it was during that time I made some of the most critical decisions about the ministries I was connected in. And so I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you do this, you will look back over your consistent time alone with God and know you will know that some of the most important insights and changes and turning points in your life have come out of that time. And I say all this not to say that I'm super spiritual and that everybody should be like me because I'm so spiritual and I spend such good time alone with God. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it because I know, I know, and I'm so convinced that this has the power to change your life no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. And I'm convinced that your best will grow out of consistent time alone with God. Because you were designed and I was designed for an authentic, intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. And the most important thing in life isn't your hobby. The most important thing in life isn't your retirement. It isn't your job. It's not your career. It's not your house. The most important thing in your life isn't your family, your children, or your wife. The most important thing in your life and mine is an intimate, authentic relationship with our Heavenly Father. And wouldn't that be worth 30 minutes of our time every day? And I'm telling you, if you will do that, your best will flow out of that. And so I dare you, I dare you to give God 30 minutes of every day for the next month. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your humble, good, and loving 
heart that accepts us into your presence no matter what condition we're in. And you never give us a hard time about where we've been. You're just so pleased to see us. And you are so pleased to spend that authentic, intimate time with us. Father, you love us so much. And I pray for your encouragement and your help as we seek to grow deeper in our relationship with you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.